Hi. Hi, Zane. <laughs> All right, eat Swedish fish. Then just tell your auntie that you ate her candy. Oh, can you? Yeah. All right. So everybody, that was Zane. Um, <laughs> he's dying to be on the show. Um, Actually, just wants candy. I it's mean, his last day of school. Yes. today for fall break so he's like he really thinks that the, no rules apply everything is a free-for-all i mean kind of i'm well you know what you and i will be the same way hopefully this time tomorrow we are actually uh leave for london <laughs> day after tomorrow <laughs> i can't win today you can't no, it's been it's been really one hell of a week. Um, just dive right into our endless vocal prattling real quick. Uh, so we still have not left for London, but by the time this comes out, we are in the throes of our trip in Paris, London and Paris. So um, want to let everybody know that we have extended, extended, nope, mm-hmm. extended our merch pre-sale. You can still order. Your t-shirts, your hoodies, your zip-up hoodies, your sweatpants, your tank tops, your everything um, through October 31st, um, through Halloween. So get on in here, com slash shop. And um, the person with the highest order total wins Laura's dog. Yeah? Mm-hmm. Okay. you direct. Yes, and he might come with a nine-year-old child. Just saying. We'll see how the trip goes. You're okay. Oh, huh? there he is. This is the dog. Hi, buddy. Hi, buddy. I swear they sleep, and everybody is so calm until we turn the mics on, and then everybody's <laughs> like, what are you doing? Hi, <laughs> I'm coming to smell that. I need I w- to talk to you about some Swedish fish. I need to come in the room. Yeah, I'd no like to. No one cares what I'm doing. It's just like when you get on the phone. You know, exactly. no one, and everyone is silent. No one cares. You answer a phone call. Everybody's barking. Kids are yelling. A thousand percent, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Someone's saying something inappropriate somewhere. It's just all hell breaks loose. Yeah. Yeah. That's just oh, yeah. kind of the way that it goes. And I'm glad it's the same at your house. And I'm sure it is the same uh, for all of our listeners um, and our viewers. Uh, so drop us a comment if this has ever happened to you. Um, other than that, uh, that's really all I have. Um, it has been one hell of a week. It's currently Thursday night. We leave on Saturday. Um, and uh, we have a lot to do. A lot to do. Uh, also, Hurricane Ian is still currently a thing as we record this. And um, getting ready to hit where I live in North Carolina tonight and tomorrow, Friday, before we take off. So, um we leave on Saturday, so hopefully um, it's minimal effect here in my where I'm at. And we're expecting some wind gusts of like 45 to 50 miles per hour. So hopefully there won't be any kind of damage to my home. Um, but I am glad that I will be here for the worst of it, just because I know that my mom and Koi would not know what to do. Not that I know what to do, but um, they'd be scared and, and I don't. 
I don't want to leave them by themselves in a fucking hurricane. So, um, that's all I have. Laura, what about you? Um, I would like to leave my family in a hurricane, but since one is not hitting Arizona anytime soon, probably not. um, I will be trying to maybe control my puppy a little bit. Um, I have, don't worry. I'm not leaving them alone. Someone is coming to stay. Um, And a nine-year-old and his puppy are alone for 10 days. Just kidding. Right. He'll be fine. No, Zane is um, coming with us. The puppy is not. <laughs> no. Um, my house does look like a hurricane hit it. So I will be cleaning that and trying to finish my laundry and actually pack. So that's my itinerary. <laughs> wow. That's, that's kind of a lot. I mean, yeah. And I have both. The, I have my niece and Zane to get on a plane actually to... Um, hopefully <laughs> on time we make it to England. Um, wow. Me just in a somewhat lucid, normal state without just having a complete mental breakdown. It's kind of a toss up. Okay. We'll see. All right. But I so. do have noise canceling headphones. So no matter what, I will be able to find some peace. Sure. Sure. Except for the poking mom, 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 mom. Right. Mom, and mom. unfortunately they make you sit with your children. Did you know this? Like yeah. you can't not not sit with them. I don't know them. those kids. I'm right. Especially on the international flights because they're uh, like going to another country. <laughs> can't ditch them. <laughs> no, no. I'm proud upon that. <laughs> I'm in first class. I don't know who these kids are. So good luck. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, Good luck. And uh, when we meet up in London at our hotel, I hope you do not have chunks of hair that you have torn out of your head. But if she does, guys, I will take a picture and post it on the podcast page (laughs) so that you can see. Um, If I show up in Laura's just in tears, sobbing outside the hotel, I will totally make a TikTok. I will make a TikTok so you can see what I am going to have to deal with for the week. So it'll be fine. They're good kids. Um, I say yeah. that now. Ask me on Friday. <laughs> I was like, mm, sure. Um, all right. Well, that's all I had. And if that's all you have, let's uh, talk about what we came here to talk about, which is this week's location. And I'm super excited for it, even though this is our second time recording it. The Dakota in New York City. Are you all right? I, I hear yes, some I'm good. Sorry, yes, Dakota in New York City. I'm wrestling with the dog. Oh. <laughs> Slightly. Okay. Resources for today. RCBRealty.com, <laughs> all that's interesting.com, businessinsider.com, history.howstuffworks.com, all.com, 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 fancypantshomes.com, and architecturaldigest.com. Okay. Uh, yeah, so this is our second recording, our go-through of this, so um, forgive us if we go quickly. We already know what's going to happen, uh, but we tried to record with my mom and release it last weekend. However, there was way too much echo coming from Laura's side because we didn't have um, headphones on, and so the studio audience was back, and then it just kind of all fell apart, so we actually have to re-record this for you, which we're super excited to do, and off she goes! Uh, we will be uh, back here in a second as soon as she gets her dog in order. <laughs> All right, she's back. So, <laughs> I am. 
if you hear current crying in the background just ignore it that's what i'm gonna do um <laughs> because it's coming from laura <laughs> puppy, it might be me <laughs> no one knows um all right so uh for years uh dubbed the most uh, famous apartment building in new york city the dakota has a spot in cultural history film celebrity art and otherwise wholly unique in the world of architecture and even more unique in the world of urban dwellings mm. regarded as the city's first luxury apartment building the dakota which defied convention at the time of its completion in 1884 set the stage for centuries of high-end apartments that would come to characterize the city's real estate market yet as many other buildings have come and gone both in fashion and in terms of literal demolition one west 72nd street has endured as one of the most desirable addresses in the city crazy so crazy right yeah it's so crazy, <laughs> it crazy. um a lawyer who co-founded the singer sewing machine company edward clark he was an active real estate investor in manhattan for some decades before commissioning the dakota in 1880. Um, clark sought out architect henry janeway hardenberg um, and he would go on to design the plaza and the walled up astoria hotels Okay, very, very iconic locations in New York as well. Right, he was kind of on a roll. Right. Um, <laughs> so um, he wanted him to not just cre create an apartment building, but to begin development on the city's largely empty Upper West Side. I know mm. it's hard to manage that now, but... <laughs> right, <clears throat> right. Um, right, the Dakota reflected Clark's vision to establish the district as an upscale suburb. Uh, explains Tom Miller of the popular New York history blog, a Daytonian in Manhattan, and author of Seeking New York, the stories behind the historic architecture of Manhattan. Cool. He urged other developers and landowners to work together to ensure what he called the exclusive character of the West Side Plateau. Uh, the building's name, unsubstantiated lore has it, comes from the fact that the building was so far away from the city's bustling downtown, it might have... Um, it might as well have been out west in the Dakotas. Oh, okay. Right? <laughs> so Clark's response was naming it just that, the Dakota. The Dakota. Okay. And Clark even played up the metaphor by decorating the building with Indian motifs, the most prominent of which was the head of an Indian over the main entrance. Oh, okay. So Clark and Hardenberg's work was exclusive indeed. Um no detail was spared on the exterior or the interiors of the 65 apartments, no two of which were exactly the same. At the time, even the most luxurious of, of apartments, um, they were a foreign concept to the city's upper class. Um, they were, you know, accustomed to single family living. Sure. So Clark had his, cut, his work cut out for him, marketing a multifamily building at a time when apartment living um, was only starting to become acceptable among the upper classes. Um, okay. There was the, I mean, apartments were basically seen as tenements, right? Sure, yeah. Right, so um, Clark had to offer wealthy family, families all the amenities of a private <clears throat> mansion. And so there's like six, up to 16 rooms in some of these apartments. Wow, all right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so same in my house. I mean, who doesn't? <laughs> Stylistically, the Dakota is elusive. Um, Hardenberg's reference points are mixed, leading architectural critics to employ something of a mixed vocabulary. Uh, current architectural historians wrestle with putting a name to the Dakota's architectural style, okay. um, calling it German Renaissance, Chateau-esque, and even Gothic revival. 
Okay. The confusion, yeah, is a result of Hardenberg's mixing of historic styles, which was at the time sometimes referred to as a happy mix. Okay. So even currently, the nine-story Dakota strikes an imposing fortress-like presence even among Central Park West's other grand and opulent buildings. From its distinctive exterior features, including high gables, terracotta spandrels and balconies, to its spacious courtyard and interior layouts, the Dakota is a marvel on many levels. Yeah. For its debut in 1884, um, they fitted out the Dakota with technology that was cutting edge for the area, including electricity. Wow. It has <laughs> its own in-house power plant that, Whoa. Is, um, that powers its boilers that they say um, has enough that they have enough power to heat the surrounding four blocks. In its of. own power plant? Uh-huh. It provides enough power to heat four blocks. Uh huh. Jesus. Okay. Right. Which I mean, honestly, it's New York. They need that. But all right. Do right. they heat four <laughs> blocks, or they probably don't? They probably don't yeah, share they their heat. They probably don't no. share their heat. Okay, gotcha. No, but they're not going to be cold. The rich will not shiver. <laughs> God forbid. Nope. <laughs> So it was also one of the first residential buildings to have elevators, of which they have eight. And they were operated by ladies in black dresses with white lace trim until well into the 20th century. Oh, neat. Uh, Right. It also had an opulent communal dining room (laughs) that served pineapple pudding and pheasant. Pineapple pudding and pheasant. Wow. All right. No, I mean... But that seems like something that like, class, like pineapple pudding. What? It seems like they wouldn't be interested in that. You know what I mean? If they had to like give them like all of the amenities of a mansion, it seems like I would think that the rich would be like, I'm not eating in a communal dining room. <laughs> well, I think it's an option. And mm. I think it was more for like towards the debut. Um, okay. Gotcha. And I do kind of talk about that later, but um, they did have kitchens that they could send food down to the apartments. Oh, my. my. Right. So the Dakota also showcased hand-carved oak ceilings and flooring inlaid with marble, mahogany, oak, and cherry. Wow. Lower, a lower-level dining hall with dumbwaiters leading to apartment kitchens. Wow. Two to three-and-a-half-foot thick walls and hand-carved marble mantles, a different one in each apartment. I would love that. I love my fireplace mantle, but if it were hand-carved marble, I would really love it. <laughs> yeah, I agree. <laughs> It also had, um, quote unquote, sophisticated soundproofing and fireproofing uh, brick flooring. So there are no fire escapes. Right. Um, The architect purposely avoided putting fire escapes um, by slathering mud from Central Park, which had just been um, commissioned or whatever. Okay. um, Between the layers of brick flooring to fireproof and soundproof the buildings. Okay. So for Manhattan's high society, the Dakota quickly became the building to live in, and all suites were sold before the building opened its doors, remaining one of the Big Apple's most famous addresses to this day. Yes. The Dakota building was designated a New York City landmark in 1969, and later in 1972, it was added to the National Register of Historic Places, and even further, designated as a National Historic Landmark in 1976. Wow. Um, let's see another picture of it. I think I showed this one already. Let's see. Yeah, so I did. It's really beautiful. 
it is really beautiful. I showed that one. And then here's, I think, yeah. Then here's, you can kind of see that courtyard you were talking about. And right. So early tenants included the piano-making Steinway family and music publisher Gustav Schirmer. To be sure, there were also oddballs in residence. Uh, like <laughs> Wait, <Leo>. what? I'm <laughs> sorry, what? <laughs> they wanted you know, oddball residents? Eccentrics, right? Okay. So there was a lady called Miss Leo, and she was a recluse who lived on the ground floor. Um, this author, Stephen Birmingham, explains that her extens- extensive collection of armor and taxidermy included a metal clad faux soldier astride a stuffed horse that was fully visible through the street level windows <laughs> so you just be walking down the street look into this very fancy apartment and, and you see, see a, like and a knight in shining armor kind of yeah so the Dakota is best known as the place where John Lennon was tragically killed as he returned home with Yoko Ono. Yes. Uh, John Lennon lived on the seventh floor of the Dakota, facing West 72nd Street and Central Park West. Okay. Um, his bedroom window overlooked Central Park. Nice. Um, and I'll talk more about that in a little while. Okay. So this, couple, this, coupled with the Dakota's starring role in Roman Polanski's acclaimed horror film, Rosemary's Baby, um, has conferred upon the building an elite stature that transcends its brick-and-mortar attributes. Yeah, that's a fucked up movie. All right. I mean, it really is. <laughs> so, Let's just glide right past that. <laughs> we're going to just move right past that. Okay, good. So um, if you haven't watched it, watch it. So from the very beginning, the Dakota attracted a large number of residents in the arts world. Um, Like I said, the piano making Steinways were Mm. the first residents, um, followed by the likes of composer Peter Tchaikovsky and poet writer Charles Henry Ford. Um, Hollywood's golden age brought many new famous faces to to the Upper West Side landmark with actors such as Boris Karloff, Lillian Gish, Judy Garland, and Lauren Bacall taking up residence. Wow. Right? Oh, God. Some star power in there. A little bit, yeah. A little bit. So Lauren, um, who I love, uh, lived at the Dakota for 53 years following the death of her husband, Humphrey Bogart. Wow. Wow. So until her her death, or did she just move out and sell it later? Or like... I believe that she... I don't know that she passed... She didn't pass it in the building, but I think that she owned the apartment till her death, whether she lived in it or not. I'm not positive. Oh, okay. I mean, 53 years. So she married Humphrey Bogart really young. Yeah. So I would, yeah, I would say that she had to live there until she died. Oh, okay. Because that would make her like almost 80. Old. She was really young when she when they got together. Humphrey Um, was old. Yeah, he was now like, I now I need to know. He was like twenty years for Cedar, so. Oh, he was. Yeah, nowadays, that's right. Yeah, he was quite a builder. Um, nowadays, Hollywood stardom alone won't guarantee entry into this elite club, as singer and actress Cher discovered when she failed to pass muster with the Dakota's co-op board. Um, at the very least, Griffith oh. and Banderas were in good company. Other famous Dakota rejects include Madonna, Carly Simon, Billy Joel, Cher. Um, Judd Apatow, Alexis Rodriguez, Alex Rodriguez, oh my god, and Tia Leone. Um, you said Alexis Rodriguez? <laughs> I mean, her too, because she's fantastic. Um, that's funny. Oh, actually, 
Sorry, hang on. Um, it's when you fact check. I'm checking. Lot. No, I'm I'm checking. Um, many of them, uh, Lauren Bacall, and um, it only sold. Her actual apartment only sold in 2015. Yeah, maybe her kids hold on to it. Yeah, maybe they did. Also, it sold for $21 million. There's a really good article um, where she did, and forgive me, I don't remember what magazine it was in, but she did a whole spread back, I think in the 60s maybe, or late 50s, from her apartment where they have like all these photos and she did a big interview at her home. Oh, really? There. Yeah, it's really, if you're into Lauren Bacall at all, like, and or and or in the dakota um it's really cool you can find it online i'm sure if you just google it okay but yeah super cool yeah um so the passage of time has only increased the dakota star power so later day dakota residents have included luminaries from the arts business and publishing including leonard bernstein roberta flack jason robar jack palance harlan coben connie chung and maury povich ah i forgot they were married Yes. I forgot um, they were <laughs> it's surprising that, that Billy Joel didn't get, because isn't he like New York's favorite son? I mean, apparently not. <laughs> I mean. Um, and I think he's from New Jersey, but I could be wrong. Oh, so okay. They're like, mm-mm, Virgin Tunnel, get out of here. Right. Mm-mm, no uh, Jersey boys. Thank you. <laughs> See you later. Um, so that show, How I Met Your Mother, um, once said that you can't call yourself a New Yorker until you spot Maury Povich at least once, which oh. I just think is funny because he's supposed <laughs> to be just everywhere. Oh. He's running for office, isn't he? Oh, I don't know. I think. Name. I thought maybe, maybe I'm confusing hmm. him with Dr. Oz. He is, Dr. Running, Oz for, is, running, is for running for office. Yeah, I thought Maury <laughs> Povich was. Anyway. Yeah. So over the years, several apartments have even moved from celebrity to celebrity. Um, among them, a two-bedroom apartment owned by football coach and commentator John Madden, who bought his apartment from late Saturday Night Live star Gilda Radner. Oh. And, I know. And when John Lennon and Yoko Ono first arrived at the Dakota, they sublet and later purchased an apartment from Dirty Dozen actor Robert Ryan. Oh, The okay. building's most famous couple went on to purchase four additional units in the building. Wow. All right. That mm-hmm. Beatles money, man. <laughs> it's not a fucking joke. It's not. Um, <laughs> it's not just the Dakota's roster of accomplished residents that sets it apart from other exclusive Upper West Side addresses. The building consistently commands some of the highest sales along this coveted thoroughfare. Since 2008, among the trophy co-op buildings located along Central Park West, the Dakota holds the sixth highest per unit average, um, 7.1 million with only 22 sales within that 10 year span. So this is, this article portion um, is from 2018. So. Oh, okay. Wow. I mean, there's another four years of growth there. So yeah. Is now. Um, $57 so million. Dollars. It's probably not. I know that there are some that do, like you said, they sell uh, quite high. Yeah. So for, for sure. the whole of Central Park West neighborhood, the average sale price of a co-op apartment in 2017 was 2.47 wow. mil. So turnover at the 103 mm. unit now, Dakota, is also somewhat unusual with only four deals completed in the last three years. Again, this is from 2018. Okay. At that time, there were four apartments available in the building ranging from a 730 square foot, one bedroom priced at 1.3 mil. Nope. 
right, a little, <laughs> tiny bit out of my price range, um, up to a gracious and colorful four bedroom that was priced at 12.5 mil. Yeah. I mean, I'm not spending one point whatever mil on 700 square feet. Yeah, plus... Um, That's the size of my office. Hefty, okay, I'm um, lying, but still. I mean, plus your hefty monthly fees, right? God, yes. Mm -mm. Mm. No, thank you. So here's some odd little tidbits about the Dakota. Um, tenants are forbidden to throw away original doors and fireplace mantles. Um, and if they yeah. don't want to use them anymore, they have a special storage area. The original owner's former apartment um, had sterling silver floors. Wow. So Edward Clark, uh, when he had that built, um, his own apartment. Yeah. Sterling silver floors. Wow. I mean, I would too. If I were a fucking brain job behind that place and I could design my own, why not? Sure. I mean, it's not like you're cleaning them. So, unfortunately, um, Edward died in 1882, two years before the building was completed. So, we never actually even lived in it. Ah, the curse of the Dakota. Ooh, it's, Ooh, it's cursy. So, <laughs> the building had zero vacancies for 45 years after it opened. Wow. From okay. 1884 to 1929, all 65 of the Dakota's apartments, each with a reported four bathroom, parlor, and servant quarters, remained spoken for. Wow. It's rumored that $30,000 is buried under the floor of Lennon and um, Yoko Ono's apartment. According to author Stephen Birmingham's 1996 book, Life at the Dakota, the previous resident of John and Yoko's apartment hid the money under the master bedroom floor. That's where I However, keep mine. I mean, who doesn't? The mattress. Um, unfortunately, we'll never find out because the board will not destroy the floor to find out. <laughs> They're not into it. <laughs> um, so, but the previous, the, uh, the resident who supposedly buried this money, he destroyed the floor. Yeah. I don't have answers. <laughs> I have so many questions, however. <laughs> <laughs> kind of. All right. So um, let's talk about John Lennon. Oh, let's go right ahead. Thank you. Um, John Lennon's death in 1980 is still regarded as a huge loss <clears throat> for the music industry. Yes. Um, and fans were especially devastated when they learned how um, Lennon died. So on December 8th, yeah. 1980, John Lennon had a pretty normal start to the day uh, for a rock star anyway. After taking a break from music, Lennon and his wife, um, Yoko, they had just released um, Double Fantasy. Okay. Um, and Lennon had spent the morning promoting the album. First, they had an appointment with Annie Leibovitz. Um, the famous photographer had come to get a picture from Rolling Stone. After some debate, Lennon decided that he would pose nude and his wife would remain clothed. So Leibowitz snapped what would become one of the most famous images of the couple. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Where he's laying on the bed and... Um, and she's in all black and yeah. Mm -hmm. And he's kind of got his leg over her. Yeah. Yeah. They're like... So um, I believe that's the last known photograph of him. Probably. Yeah. So, um, and it's such an iconic photo that I, you know, I didn't know that it was actually taken the day That he died. day. Yeah. yeah. That's so crazy. Mm -hmm. So a short while later, a crew from RKO Radio arrived at the Dakota to tape what would be um, Lennon's final interview. Uh, 
At one point during the conversation, Lennon mused about getting older. Quote, when we were kids, 30 was death, right? He said, I'm 40 now and I feel just, I feel better than before. During the interview, Lennon also reflected upon his extensive body of work. Quote, I consider that my work won't be finished until I'm dead and buried, and I hope that's a long, long time. Oh, God. All right. When, um, when Lennon and Yoko left the Dakota a few hours later, they briefly met the man who would kill Lennon later that day. Yeah. Waiting outside the apartment building, Mark David Chapman held a copy of Double Fantasy in his hands. Um, Lennon signed um, the album for him. Mm-hmm. Um, Ron Hummel, a producer who was um, with them, remembers the moment well. Hmm. He recalls that Chapman silently held on his copy um, of Double Fantasy, and John signed it. And he was just quiet. And John asked him, is that all you want? <laughs> and Chapman remained silent. So, unsurprisingly, Chapman also remembers this moment, but this is what he says. He says that he was very kind to me, Chapman said of London, ironically very kind and was very patient with me. The limousine was waiting, and he took his time with me, and he got the pen going, and he signed my album. He asked me if I needed anything else. I said, no, no, sir, and he walked away. Very cordial and decent man. Yeah, but Lennon's kindness to Chapman didn't change anything. The 25-year-old who was living in Hawaii at the time had specifically flown to New York to murder John Lennon. Although he had considered other celebrity murders, including John Lennon's former bandmate Paul McCartney, Chapman had developed this weird hatred towards Lennon. Um, He got really mad when Lennon had infamously declared that his group was more popular than Jesus. Yeah. Um, As time went on, Chapman began to see Lennon as a poser. So on his last day of work as a security guard in Hawaii, Chapman signed out of his shift as usual, but he wrote John Lennon instead of his real name. He then prepared to fly to New York. But before killing John Lennon, Chapman apparently wanted an autograph first. After Lennon obliged, Chapman slunk back into the shadows near the apartment. He watched as they um, got in their limo and drove away. Then he waited. At 10.50 p.m. on December 8th, 1980, John Lennon and Yoko Ono returned home to the Dakota. Chapman later said, John came out and he looked at me and I think he recognized, here's the fellow that I signed the album earlier and he walked past me. Yeah. As Lennon walked towards his home, Chapman raised his weapon. He fired his gun five times and four of the bullets hit Lennon in the back. Lennon staggered into the building crying, I'm shot. Um, Yoko, who, according to Chapman, ducked for cover when she heard the shots, rushed to hold her husband after she realized he had been attacked. Uh, I stood there with the gun hanging limply down by my right side. Um, Jose, the doorman, came over and he's crying and he's grabbing and he's shaking my arm and he shook the gun right out of my hand, which was a very brave thing to do to an armed person. And he kicked the gun across the pavement. Um, Chapman later said in an interview. So Chapman stood patiently and waited to be arrested, reading The Catcher in the Rye, a novel Jesus. that he was obsessed with. Reading a yeah, fucking but... book. Mm-hmm. So he would later to be sentenced to 20 years to life for the murder of John Lennon. Um, according to reports, John Lennon died almost instantly after being shot, um, bleeding profusely and 200 to wait for an ambulance. Um, Lennon was placed in a police car and sped to Roosevelt Hospital. Unfortunately, it was too late and Lennon was pronounced dead on arrival. Unfortunately, Um, Stephen Lynn, the doctor who emerged to speak to the press, made the official declaration that Lennon was gone. 
Um, they said extensive resuscitation efforts were made, but in spite of transfusions and many procedures, he could not be resuscitated. Jesus Christ. Um, yeah. So as for Lennon's killer, Mark David Chapman, he remains behind bars to this day. His parole has been denied 11 times and he was just denied again. So I believe that's 12. Yeah. Um, this is a couple of weeks ago, actually. Mm-hmm. It was denied. Yeah. So for every hearing, uh, Yoko Ono has sent a personal letter urging the board to keep him in prison. Yeah. And I think and I had he- heard an interview where he said that he didn't want to be released, that he didn't think he should be released into public which because i don't know either he still feels he deserves to stay in prison because of what he did or he must know that somebody would probably kill him because he shot this john, he murdered john somebody lennon. probably would kill him um i mean and he only murdered lennon um to become famous himself <laughs> that was his reasoning um or as he states it now. Um, and Yoko still does live in at the Dakotas. She has property there. And oh, I really? believe, I'm not sure if Sean still lives there or not, but I know that they come and go from the yeah. as well. Yeah. Wow. I couldn't and do that, it. I couldn't stay there. I My mean, in a I... way, I can see staying because that's probably, that's where the memories are, you know? Yeah. I mean, in a way, it's painful, but in a way, it's keeping them close. That's so crazy. Oh, my God. Blech. Yeah, it really is. <sighs> wow. All right. That is. Oh, is that it? I was like, yeah, oh, yeah. Go, go I on. don't know what you. Yeah, that's that. <laughs> <laughs> and kind of, I think I covered just about everything. So I think we're good. Yeah. Wow. That is crazy. Okay. Good job. That was a good job. All right, guys, we will be right back with the ghost um, in just a second. I need a refill, and so, therefore, we will be right back. But to you, it'll be like a half a second, as I always say. Just a second. Okay, so this place is fucking hell haunted. And, um, yes, John Lennon is one of them, and I will get to him in just a minute. But, I mean, the most important part, the part everybody's excited for, my sources. <laughs> so um these are all dot com so i'm not gonna go through it like laura did uh just cut it off uh ny ghosts ephemeral new york dot wordpress jessica jewett and i spelled jessica with an e which is wrong uh jessica jewett online slash film and ranker.com jessica i apologize wholeheartedly um, even though that didn't sound very genuine, I'm sorry. I'm like, that actually didn't sound very genuine. Um, sorry about my sorry. <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry. I, I, I can't speak and words are hard to write too. So, um, New York itself is a very psychically active place. Um, it's the site of many hauntings all over the city and so much human passion and energy Um, It's almost kind of like ghosts are kind of inevitable. So the reports of ghostly activity at the Dakota start in the 1960s. So there was another famous resident that lived there by the name of Judy Holliday. And coinciding with her death, she was an American actress, uh, a comedian and a singer. Um, She died in 1965. 
or no, after she died in 1965, <laughs> people then, the Smith family bought her apartment. And they hired some workers to repaint the walls, revarnish the woodwork, because they couldn't replace it, as Laura mentioned. <laughs> um, so they hired these men to just kind of like, you know, refurbish and spruce up the place. So the workers said that they always felt like they were being watched, even though they knew it was just them in the apartment. Like, obviously, you know, the family hadn't moved in yet. Um, one of them... And this is really disturbing. One of them saw the ghost of a boy about 10 years old dressed in a Buster Brown suit, um, which was a style of the early, early, nope, early 1900s. <laughs> Dear God, here we go. And we're off to the races. Um, a musty odor accompanied the apparition. The thing of this particular apparition is that he had the face of a 10-year-old boy, but it was the body of a man. And I have never heard of anything like that in any of the locations we've covered, in any of the anything I've ever read, and speaking with any paranormal investigator that we've met, I have never heard of such a weird apparition it's it's very disturbing i think yeah and that whole combination is gross like (laughs) man head boy body boy head man body it's i I mean mean, let's not even get in have those combinations feel free to (laughs) run away in horror right i mean also um buster brown suit no that's not that's disturbing too um (laughs) me being such the fashion like expert So um, they said that after the work was done, one of the painters was in doing some touch-up work in a large closet. Suddenly the door slammed and the light went out, (laughs) which is fucking rude. But um, so the guy groped his way off the ladder, propped the door open and turned the light back on when he felt something grab his arm and put it against the light bulb. That's fucking weird. That's fucking rude. Because <laughs> light bulbs get really hot. <laughs> apparently not when they you turn them off and slam somebody in a closet. But <laughs> I mean, apparently not. But um, additionally, today residents claim to see a little girl also dressed in period clothing. Um, the same strange little girl was reportedly first seen by workmen sometime during the 20th century. Um they said a beautiful she's described as a beautiful blonde child that suddenly appears in the corridor wearing high white stockings patent leather shoes with silver buckles and a dress of yellow taffeta that seemed to come from another century that is very descriptive yeah and i wonder maybe because they they did have worker rooms on like the top two floors when they first um open so i wonder if it was like like a servant children or or just maybe Living a child in. that died there i didn't come across any um although i didn't go search like every death record or anything like that but i oh, didn't come across not? specifically any children yeah. you know deaths in the building in there yeah yeah um they also said she was bouncing a red ball um at one one person that saw her said that she told them it's my birthday and then bouncing her ball she disappeared down the corridor the description of the 
um, little girl in the yellow dress matched no child then in the building and she has never been identified. So you're not the only one. Um, I mean, great. Good for you. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So you're a bad podcaster, as am I, as are the people that wrote this article. Um, (laughs) So she is still seen by residents today, greeting them with a smile and a wave from and a wave from the lower floor windows. And this was reported in a 2015 ABC News article. So. Okay, so she's on the lower levels, huh? Yeah. But I mean, I mean, ghosts can go wherever the hell they yeah. want. Like, you know, she might have lived up on the top floors, but, you know, she's a ghost. Yeah, what are you going to do? I'm very curious, though, because, you know, there seem to be a couple kids roaming around. Yeah, yeah. Um, now, it is said that the spirit of John Lennon does live on in the Dakota apartments to this day. One resident resident witnessed him playing piano right in their apartment. Um, as Laura mentioned, he was murdered in the archway of the southern entrance. Sometime after the murder, many people claimed to see Lennon leaning against the wall in his characteristic white flared suit in the stone archway where he died. Um, there was a musician named Joey Harrow who lives near the Dakota building, who claimed he saw John's ghost in the Dakota entrance doorway. Um, He was surrounded by an eerie light, this man claimed. Um, At the time of the sighting, he was accompanied by a writer named Amanda Moores, who confirmed that she had also seen the ghost. She said, I wanted to go up and talk to him, but something in the way he looked at me said no. John's ghost has been reported by various other witnesses who claimed that it that he had been haunting the Dakota. A psychic by the name of Sean Robbins said that she saw John's ghost in the building. <clears throat> and apparently, according to several spiritualists, John's spirit lingered on Earth for a short time before a group of spirit guides helped him to adjust to the other side. The person who, or a person who won't let go after they are dead, becomes a ghost who haunts the area of the tragedy. The guides convinced him to join them in the spirit world, and various mediums began to receive messages from him. Lennon periodically still makes visits to the Dakota. Um, one of the most reliable and believable sightings of John Lennon's ghost comes from his wife, Yoko Ono. She saw him seated at his piano in their apartment. He looked at her and said, don't be afraid. I am still with you, which I think is one of the most beautiful things I've ever heard. Um, Lennon himself had actually reported seeing supernatural happenings. He claims that he saw a UFO from one of the windows of the apartment in of his apartment in the Dakota. He also repeatedly met a ghost that he called the crying lady ghost. She was said to be lurking, but never, but never. She was said to be lurking benevolently in the hallways of the older parts <laughs> of the by now extended and modified building. Um, so one reoccurring happening has been that objects have been seen in apartments moving of their own accord, um, especially large objects like furniture or rugs. So residents also have reported hearing tiny footsteps and odd noises at strange times in their apartments. So maybe it's this little girl ghost or this little 10 year old boy, man, child 
ghost. I'm not really sure. But um, one of the residents. The fact that there's like 90 other fucking apartments allowed. <laughs> that could be. I mean, you do have mud. Well, I'm, that's very true. You have the mud, so. The soundproofing. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> So um, one resident, Frederick Weinstein, with his wife, Susanna, actually, they went on record reporting. He reported seeing the lights of a chandelier in his living room um, from below on the street. He saw this through the 72nd Street window. However, they didn't own any chandeliers. There were no chandeliers in their apartment. Um, but he thought his wife maybe had installed one as a surprise for him. So when he ran into the apartment, there were no lights on there were no there was no chandelier but upon further inspection he said that he did see a set of bolts in the ceiling where a chandelier had once hung weird yeah kind of crazy so Mm -hmm. one of the most sinister stories in the dakota building um or in new york at all uh come from the basement in the dakota um so the porter summoned a tenant by the name of Wilbur Ross to the cellar because a heavy snow shovel had flown off the wall and nearly hit him. So he <laughs> brings this tenant down. I'm not really sure why he grabbed a tenant, but all right. Um, he showed him the garbage that had been thrown about and he mm-hmm. explained that bags began to move of their own volition So obviously the tenant, this Wilbur Ross, was skeptical until a metal bar flew across the room as they were standing in it and landed at his feet. When he tried to pick the bar up, it was too heavy. He couldn't pick it up, but it was flown across the room at him. Um, Yeah. Other people have seen a man who looks like Edward Clark, who you had said was the developer of the building. Um, This ghost is known as the man with the wig. Um, And he's apparently um, got a short beard, a large nose and wire glasses, not unlike the way Clark looked. Um, Right. Sounds like him. Yeah. So the apparition had visited an electrician in the basement in the 1930s on four separate occasions. Each time the man glared fiercely at the electrician for several moments, then reached up snatched off the wig he was wearing and shook it angrily in the electrician's face. (laughs) And people have confirmed that Clark did indeed wear a wig. So I'm like, that's, that's, that's mad. Batman was mad at you rip your weave off and shake it in someone's face. And that's an angry, angry person. Right. Mm -mm, That's not great. So, (laughs) Despite all of these hauntings, the Dakota continues to be a piece of prime Manhattan real estate um, that attracts would-be residents. Like you said, there um, over the years, its board of directors has turned down a lot of really high-caliber celebrities. Um, you had mentioned Billy Joel. You mentioned uh, Melanie Griffith and Antonio Banderas. Cher, I think you said. Cher, Madonna. Cher, Madonna. Um... Mm-hmm. Um, there's quite a list yeah quite a list yeah so <clears throat> aside from Lennon um, like you said uh, Lauren Bacall Boris Karloff um, Joe Namath he actually lived there mm-hmm. um, it was also a prominent filming location for one of the most cursed movies in history and this is where 
the curse of the Dakota comes in. So people often wonder, are the ghosts of the Dakota building responsible for the curse? And why do so many of their residents die young? So you mentioned that it was used as the exterior for um, the Bramford in Rosemary's Baby. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> this um, building was home to some of the film's central characters. Now, this choice may have led to some unintended consequences that a number of people believe. So after the filming wrapped on Rosemary's Baby, several people involved in the production um, started experiencing very odd events. Um, the composer uh, by the name of, uh, oh, I'm going to butcher it, uh, Christoph Komeda. Sorry. I, eh. <laughs> I Sorry, dude. Sorry, dude. Um, he fell into a coma in an eerie coincidence that actually mirrored the book. I didn't actually know it was based on a book, but um, the producer of the movie, William Castle, his misfortune came next with a severe case of kidney stones. While he was in the hospital, he had vivid hallucinations about the movie. Um, director Roman Polanski's wife, Sharon Tate, became increasingly interested in the occult as a result of the movie. And then, as we all know, she was um, infamously murdered along with her baby by the Manson family. Um, other Hollywood stars that had tragic deaths, uh, Marilyn Monroe, six years before she died in an apparent suicide. She spent a few hours doing a photo shoot inside Judy Holiday's apartment at the Dakota. That was the one where the um, workers had seen the little man, child, boy ghost. Boy, yeah. And the guy was pulled off the ladder and his arm put on the light bulb. Um, there's a number of conspiracy theories surrounding Marilyn Monroe's death. However, um, one thing that doesn't seem to get much attention is her link to the Dakota building and the curse that many believe exists. Judy Garland is another one that you, you mentioned Judy Garland. Um, she's a prime example of famous people who lived at the Dakota before suffering an untimely death. Garland was in the UK when she passed away from an overdose, but her connection to the Dakota is still worth examining. It's true that the cursed building is quite exclusive, which makes it a magnet for the rich and famous. Except us. I mean, we're rich and famous, but I don't think either one of us want to live there. Um, do you agree? Or you're like, mm, I don't know. I would kind of like to live there. I mean, it does have the nice boilers and um, <laughs> I don't like to be cold. Uh, so that might be kind of nice. All right. Yeah. Um, Okay. All right. We should put in an application with the board. I'm sure they'll accept me. I'm sure. Um, it, especially with your dog. <laughs> He'll get you Everyone right in. To, yeah. There's going to be all kinds of weird fucking noises coming out. <laughs> <laughs> but it does seem odd, though, that so many notable individuals suffered from an early death after having a connection to the Dakota. Um, like you mentioned, Edward Clark, uh, he spent a million dollars to have the Dakota built in the 1880s. He did um, die before he ever got to see his dream come to life. Um, and he died in 1882, two years before the building's completion at the age of 70. The special apartment built for Clark's family, like you said, included included sterling silver floors. So people wonder if maybe Clark might have been the Dakota's first victim, curse victim. Well, I mean, he was old, like 70 is old. Old for 1880s, yeah. 
Yeah, I mean. Yeah, for sure. That's a 70s, like, what's the average lifespan for men in the U.S. now is what, 75? Is it? I don't know. I think so. Maybe 78. It's not that it's not that much higher than what right. we lived to right. um, 140 years ago. So Most folks aren't living to be good. the queen's age of 96. <laughs> uh, I mean, um, Russian composer Peter Tchaikovsky reportedly gained approval to move into his apartment before the rest of the Dakota building project had reached completion. As a result, he was able to experience the luxury of the Dakota before his death in 1883. However, the heavily debated circumstances surrounding Tchaikovsky's death uh, bring the Dakota curse to mind. The official cause of his death is listed as cholera, but some historians believe he committed suicide. So was he the curse's second victim? You could go down an entire rabbit hole with this ideology. Well, I mean, and and I think we kind of touched on this previously when we had talked about the Dakota before. Yeah. The high level of rich or famous people who have a tendency to meet untimely deaths, addiction, stress, you know, um, crazy fucking fans yeah yeah Yeah, i mean there's yeah there's there's a lot of dangers lurking yeah so yeah and just there's a lot of people that live there too so i'm sure that's true that's true um so as you mentioned um the architect didn't want fire escapes to mar the design of his building he used fireproofing methods such as putting mud between the brick flooring labor labors nope layers so um so far i was like what so um no that's not what it says so far the building has has avoided any major disasters and hasn't needed to test whether the lack of fire escapes will actually become a hindrance um although i'm wondering like how dry and fucked up is that mud by now right (laughs) i mean it can't be it just can't be some crusty old mud with some twigs in it from Central Park. Some <laughs> really good stuff. Shit. Something exactly. Um, so it's been able to avoid any major disasters. However, the building only needs to have one major fire for the flaw in this design to become extremely clear. With 10 floors, 103 apartments, and no fire escapes, it would become practically impossible for everyone to get out of the whole if the whole building caught fire. Um, With a curse casting its shadow over the building, the residents of the Dakota take more than a few risks calling this supernatural hotspot their home. People still flock to the outside of the Dakota decades after John Lennon's death. As Laura mentioned, it was just outside the main entry doors where Mark David Chapman shot and killed one of music's most legendary and beloved figures. Even no curse was preexistent, even if no curse was preexistent before Lennon's death, the Dakota building has felt cursed and haunted ever since. After all, everyone knows it as the place where Lennon died. This gives the building an eerie reputation that is pretty much likely to endure until the end of its days. Mm-hmm. And those are the ghosts of the Dakota. I loved it. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I think it is lovely that he... Try, came and tried to comfort his his wife, who was probably utterly destroyed. 
uh, I'm sure. Yeah. 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 So I think it's lovely that, that he, um, came to comfort her and tell her that I'm still with you. I think that's beautiful. I like that very much. So yay. Anyway, guys, uh, <laughs> that is, that is that on that. That is all I have. Um, we do not have any strange history this week, uh, but we do have um, something very important to tell you, and Laura's going to take that away. Laura, tell them where they can find us. <laughs> you can find you can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at HOH Podcast, and on the TikTok at HOAH Podcast at HOAH Carry and HOAH Co-host Laura. Yes. All right, guys, thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for watching. We are super grateful um, for each and every one of you that tune in every single week. And for all of our new listeners and viewers, welcome to The Shit Show. Uh, Laura and I have been busy getting ready for this trip. um, And so we've been a little discombobulated and and things like that. Um, But we have a lot of really amazing episodes to bring you um, when we get back from London and a lot of really fun guests that we're going to have on the show. Um, you may have noticed we've started having some more and more guests. They have been truly wonderful. We've having such a great time with them. So um, we are going to be having some more really exceptional guests on our show. And um, to that end, as we always say, Stay safe out there because you never know who or what is listening. Bye, guys.